I think jet went into space and they're like, and the name of the ship was Unity. I was like, oh, that's interesting. I was going to preach on unity. That's, that's, you know, a few days later, I wake up at 5.30 with my son because he loves to, my youngest son, uh, my foster son, he, he likes to wake up really early. And so we take him downstairs and I get to put on cartoons, right? So I put on this cartoon for him and there's this guy talking to this other group of people and he says, hey, be careful. He's trying to divide you. Stay unified. And I was like, there it is again. I was like, Okay. I think you're trying to get to me here, Lord. And I was like, I'm a long distance runner. So I get up Wednesday morning and I'm, I'm preaching as I'm running, you know. And I was like, oh, Lord, should I change my text? Shouldn't I change my text? And I get about on that road, you know, by the old Calvary Chapel in the meadows. And some vehicle pulls onto the street behind me. And it sounded like a vehicle from the National Drag Racing Association. And I was like, I got, I can't, 30 in the morning was about to tear by me. And I didn't turn around because I'm keeping my posture. And I was like, I, got, I can't wait to see what this vehicle looks like. Because you know those drag racers with the long noses? Like, I could swear that that's what was going to pass me. I was like, this is what's coming. So I'm running all of a sudden. And it's just like normal Chevy halftime passes me. And I was like, Pfft. And I literally giggled out loud. But I laughed even more when I saw on the back window in big white decals the word unity. And I thought to myself, you, my son or sir, are creating anything but unity by driving that truck in this neighborhood. Because there were a whole lot of people, I imagine, trying to sleep. And I thought that was quite funny. This morning I woke up thinking to myself, what are the odds that today would be the day that I get to preach about unity when it's the first Sunday that we get 150 people plus in this building? What are the odds? And so I counted a privilege just to share what I believe is the heart of the Father this morning, a word about being one, all for capital O, one, and capital O, one, for all. Amen? So I'm going to pray, I think this is on, and we're going to read uh, from John 17, 20 to 13, uh, 22, 20 to 13. We're going to be reading backwards this morning, church. <laughs> Stay with me. We've been practicing new skills. Yeah, yeah, this is a supernatural message. <laughs> you can know that to be true. Okay. So we're going to read this together. I was going to bring my glasses so I didn't have to squint and look grumpy. But I forgot those too. Okay. Father, this, this is your word. God, and these are your people. And I am your son. And I want to speak your words this morning. I want to convey your heart this morning. Oh God, would you keep me from any fleshly desires or purposes? God, would your word, would you, would your name be exalted this morning in a way that causes us to see you in a new way, a better way, a greater way, a more all-encompassing way. God, have your way through this word today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I do not ask for these only, but also for those 
who will believe in me through, your, through their words. This is a high priestly prayer. Jesus just finished praying for the disciples, and now he's praying for the, the ones to come, okay? So that's verses 1 to 5, he prayed for himself. Verses 6 to 19, he was praying for disciples, and now he continues on. I do not ask for these only, my disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they will be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, praise the Lord, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me, and love them, even as you loved me. That's good, good scripture, amen? All scripture is good. You're supposed to say, of course, Greg, that's awesome. It's scripture. I want to invite two people up here this morning. I asked their permission. I'm going to invite them right now. Taylor and Aaron, would you please join me? Taylor on this side and Aaron on this side. Once you get up here, you don't have to wear your masks because we live together. So those of you who don't know me, these are my daughters of whom I am very... You can stand closer. Six feet doesn't, doesn't apply here. Uh-uh. Amen. Yes. Give these ladies a round of applause. They didn't always look like this. They used to look like this. And I look like that. That is a time when I had more hair on my head than my face. And I have just swapped that around. Okay, but... That's my little tailor. My little tailor. This is my little air bear over here. You know, we go through... Yeah, that's... I just let you in, right? This is air bear. This is tailor. They will be that way until they don't live with me anymore. And their husbands rebuke me for calling them that. Um, Man, I love these girls. Man, I love these girls. You know, we enter into different seasons as parents, don't we? Right? It's like, oh, they're out of diapers. Or, oh, they can ride bikes now. And, oh, they're on basketball teams that I get to coach. And now the season's coming up. One that I've been praying about for a long time is that God would give these ladies some real manly men. Eh? Of which they haven't found yet. <laughs> eh? Letting you in. Not naming names. I'm not embarrassing, right? We're just like being honest here. Okay? I'm excited about this day. Right? And I'm praying for these guys. Man, I have six kids. I got two more beautiful daughters. Two of them I can't be seen on camera because God has given them to us outside of our own making. Um, and two sons. Man, I got awesome sons. I got six kids. I can't wait for six more. But back to these two. I'm praying for these guys. You know, because I can't wait, you know, to meet these men that love Jesus with all their heart. Right? Like with everything that's inside of them. And that would love them like Christ loved the church. Right? These men that would just lay down their lives for them. Right? Like, I, I am so excited about this day. Can't wait to see this guy. Can't wait to meet him. See him at the end of the aisle. But it's caused me to think of this, this walk down the aisle that I am really praying about and cherishing. And I'm kind of like just like really worked up in my heart about it. Because there's going to come a day when I have 50 feet left. I have 50 feet left to be this spiritual covering over you girls. And there's going to come a moment where we're going to embrace 
right? And then I'm going to hold your hands like this. I'm going to, I'm going to hold your hands something like this, right? And then we're going to slip away. And there's going to be a moment where our skin doesn't touch. And that's like the last time. Like that's this handing over to this man who Lord willing loves Jesus with everything inside of him. And I get to hand you over to him for the, for the rest of your time on earth to cover you and pray for you and protect you and love you and lay down his life for you like no one else on the planet earth except your dad. Amen? And that's my job. Right now, man, I'm cherishing this time where I get to stand in front of them and say, you're coming through me. Hmm? You want a piece of my daughters? You're coming through me. What did you say about my daughters? You're coming through me. Who are you talking to about my daughters? You're coming through me. I pray for them. I love them. I take care of them. And this walk down the aisle didn't start. It's not going to start on that day. It started back there. Didn't it? It started back there. Man. You guys can go down now. But I have this responsibility and this passion. And lately, Rob preached this message on God is gathering his children. He's, he's adopting his sons and daughters. And I started to think about this wedding picture in a little bit bigger terms. About all of you sitting here walking down the aisle to meet the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. What a glorious day that you are part of the bride of Christ walking down the aisle, going to meet Jesus who loves you so much that he actually gave himself up to death on the cross for you. And I started to think to myself, wow, if I love my girls that much, if my heart for them is that big that I would protect them and shield them, what must the father feel like for you guys? For my children around me. What does the father feel like for me? How much does he love me and want to shield me? Ephesians 5 said he's waiting for a pure and spotless bride. I'm like, that's what I want for my girls. Maybe we have some beliefs that aren't like our people around it. But we've been praying that my girls wouldn't date anybody until they get married. That's how we prayed. I think there's been a little bit of stuff at school that's come up because they know. I preached at SES. The guys knew. If you didn't intend on marrying my daughter, don't ask him out. Don't. I'm not saying it's wrong today. Don't hear me saying that. This is my prayer. Why? Because I think it's the Father's prayer for us as his children. That we would have no other gods before us. That would be solely kept for him. That as we walk down the aisle, we'd be pure and spotless and holy and one, united in Christ, getting to meet our groom, Jesus Christ. Amen? This is my prayer. And I started thinking this. Rob preaches. He's like, oh, he's gathering his sons and his daughters. I was like, oh, he's gathering you guys. And I started to think about how I treat the bride of Christ, how I've responded to the bride of Christ, how I've talked to my own brothers and sisters who are part of the bride of Christ who's walking down the aisle to meet Jesus. And I was struck. I was struck. I was struck with how I love the bride of Christ, how I love the sons and daughters, his adopted children. 
And I got this picture of me just like being at this wedding and just spitting on the bride. Who would spit on the bride as they go down the aisle? I have this picture of Pip pulling out a paintball gun and just take that white dress. Da, 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 da. Hurling insults. Can you imagine at a bride walking down to meet her groom? I asked Michelle if that was going too far. She didn't think so. She gave me approval. Church, we were called to be one. You know, if, if I'm to think of myself as a son of God, if I'm to think of myself as someone who's redeemed, who is a new creation in Jesus Christ, who doesn't carry a spirit of fear, who is loved by the Father, how should I think about you? How should I think about you? How should I think about you? Church, we're called to be one as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one. And I ask myself, man, why is it so easy to struggle with this? Isn't it easy to struggle with being at one with one another, with loving one another, to be in unity one another? Is it, aren't we living in a time right now where it just seems next to impossible to be in unity? I mean, there are so many things around us that are wanting to divide us, aren't there? I don't even need to name them because you know already the things that are going through your head. They're everywhere. They're in our homes. They're in our churches. They're in our workplace. They're in our governments. And this morning, I want to suggest a few things to you this morning. I want to suggest four things that we should keep in mind when it comes to unity I want to suggest four things that I think the enemy is keenly aware of when it comes to us being the bride of Christ and being one in Jesus. Four things. Number one, the first thing is the Trinity is all about being one. The Trinity is all about being one. You can tell what someone is all about, right, by their actions, words, and gifts, can't you? Can you agree with me? Just raise your hand. Let's, now that you're in the building, I can see you guys acting. You can tell a lot about someone or something by what comes out of their mouth, their actions, and what they love, right? Okay, so here's, now I need your participation, right? So you're going to shout out a name, all right, that comes to mind when I do something, okay? This. Right, very good, right? None of this is a bad thing, by the way. None of, the, none of these are bad things, Okay. I've got a story about Scratchy Cat. Rob, oh, sorry, it's another one. Can I do one more? No, I'll move on. If I tell stories to you and relay them through the uh, Rwanda. Dave, oh, Dave. Again, these aren't bad things. You can tell someone's, I just have to tell you about the actions and words and you know where they're coming from, right? If I would say to you, Prophetic artist at Calvary Chapel, extremely gifted. What would you say? Oh, wow. Right? You can tell a lot about a person by what comes out of their mouth and what comes out of their actions and what they're gifted at. Right? Now let me read the scripture again. I do not ask for these things only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, 
that. They also may be in us. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. That the glory you have given me, I have given to them. That they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me. That they may become perfectly one. Are you getting my picture, church? The Trinity is about being one. Desiring for us to be one. United in him. Amen? Amen. Let me read you some more scriptures. This is a scripture-heavy sermon here. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven of them that are abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, on and on, and one who sows discord among brothers. Six, Proverbs 6, 16 to 19. I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of calling to which you have called eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Ephesians 4, 1 to 6. As for a person who stirs up division, listen to this. As for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. That's Titus 3. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you are united in the same mind and in the same judgment. 1 Corinthians 1.10. Philippians 2.1-2. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord, that's not the Honda, and of one mind. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. Whoever says that he is in the light hates his brother is still in the darkness. Whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going. Because the darkness has blinded his eye. That's 1 John chapter 2. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger. And listen to this. This is included in the list. Rivalries, dissensions, and divisions. So I mix some heavy verses with glorious verses. But I want you to get it. Man, it's all of scripture. The Trinity is all about being one. And when we read these scriptures, there should be a fear of the Lord that settles over us. There should be an awe of the Lord that settles over us when we think about how we relate to one another in Jesus Christ. Amen? I didn't make these words up. These were Holy Spirit-inspired words penned down for all. I just want to, I want to keep going a little bit about the Trinity. They individually demonstrated God the Father in creation. He says, let us create man in our image. You were created in the image of a triune God. Stop and take a moment to think about that. Let us make man in our image. We know the Holy Spirit was there in Genesis 1-2. Is hovering over the waters. In John chapter 1, we know that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and it became flesh. We know that Jesus was there from the beginning. A, a triune, one, united God creating us in His image. Jesus Christ, the Son, only did what the Father asked Him to do. He only did what the Father asked Him to say. And He says, you know what? If you know me, you would know the Father. 
right? The reason you don't know the Father is you don't, the reason you don't know me is because you don't know the Father. Is there a better way to really describe being one with someone? Like, you should know my wife by listening to me talk, right? You should know what she loves. And, and conversely, when you hear Michelle talk, and you should know Greg. You should know what t- makes him tick. I mean, this goes actually quite unique. You know, this goes to this unique place. When I worked in the bank and I would have husbands and wives that had been married a long time, it's like their handwriting started to look the same. Have you ever encountered that? Like they start to just be the same to a whole nother level. But there's this like crazy unity that's supposed to happen. And, and number three, the Holy Spirit says in John chapter 15, 26, but when the helper comes, whom I will send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, the Lord. The Holy Spirit, the way he moves, the way he acts, the way he operates, bears witness to the Father. They're so like this. As I was thinking about this, I was like, wow, I got to stop saying something. Okay? You know how we talk about, oh, that's a Holy Spirit church. Now, now they're Holy Spirit. I was like, can we even say that? If the Holy Spirit testifies to the Father, aren't they just like, that's a church? That's a triune church. I mean, if the Holy Spirit testifies to the Father, now they're uniquely different. I get that. I'm not saying they're the same. It's the same thing as all for one, one for all, the three musketeers. That slogan was birthed out of the fact that they understood that they had different gifts, different strengths, different times and places, but they knew they were better together. They knew that. The, tes- the Holy Spirit testifies about the Father. The-, the Trinity is one. They're all about unity. They're all about being together. The enemy is aware of this. Number two. The trin- there is power in being one church. This is good news. This is good news. As I was going over these next two points, I felt the Lord say this. Greg, I want to be with you. Do you, ever, do you ever believe that lie that the Father doesn't want to be with you? Like that you don't know where he is. You don't, you don't sense his presence. You wonder where he is. I felt him say to me, I want to be with you. Church, can I say to you this morning, there is power in being one. Gene highlighted this to me. I, I've been thinking about unity for a couple months. God's laid it on my heart. And he, he, he's like, Greg, haven't you thought about Genesis chapter, uh, whoa, Genesis 11? Um, and I went to it. And, I, and I, I just love this, you guys. I love this. Listen to this. Come, this is, this is the people of Israel. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, behold, they are one people. And they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Do you catch that? They were one people. They were together. And the Lord himself says, they are one. Man, there is nothing they won't be able to accomplish. The problem being that they were making a name for themselves. 
right? But when you look at who made the comment, okay, I'll pay attention to who's saying they were one. There's nothing they can't accomplish, okay? The Lord who can accomplish absolutely everything and created everything and in him all things were created and all things are for. That's who said it. Doesn't that make a difference when someone makes a comment about something? Whether you, you have you first look, well, how much do they know about the situation? Like, how qualified are they to make that comment? And here you have the Lord coming down, making this statement. And they're one people. There's nothing, nothing they can't accomplish. What does that say about a people that were together, gathered in the name of Jesus for his purposes? What could they accomplish? What kind of power could be displayed by people that were walking in unity together for the name of the Lord Jesus? Amen? Conversely, now we move to Acts chapter 2. Sorry, Acts Acts chapter 1. It says that they were together in one accord. And we know what happened in chapter 2 when they came together. The power of God fell. The day of Pentecost fell in a way that had never happened before. And the birth of the church started. And there was a movement of people coming to Christ as they gathered together in one. This is amazing, church. Now, this is amazing. There is power in being together in one. And I don't want to take this out of context But I do want to highlight Matthew 18, verse 19. And that's the portion where it says, where two are together in agreement, ask anything and it will be done for them. And the next verse says, or two or more are gathered, there I am with them. And I don't think this means just ask for anything and it's going to happen for you because the context of that scripture is working through churchly uh, issues, churchly discussions, churchly, if that's a word, okay? But But the reason I bring it up is, is how many people does it take for God to come and put his stamp of approval on it? How many? Two. That sounds like a God who wants to come. Right? He's not saying when 35 of you are in agreement and in my name, I will think about coming. I will think about putting my stamp on that thing. I will think about showing up. No, 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 no. Just two. Just two. That's the smallest number of a gathering you could possibly have. That's part of the reason I was okay with coming here to lead worship with no one in the building. There's two people in the soundboard room. We have enough. Amen? Husbands, wives, if your children move out of the home, if you don't have children, there's two of you in the house. God is in your midst. Man, this is a God who wants to be with us. No? But he's really like excited about oneness. Let me move on. Church, three, there is commanded blessing and being one. Commanded blessing and being one. And I, I got to say, I was really tempted when I, you know, I've been stewing all this word commanded. And I was just like, there's got to be a Navy SEALs illustration that I can give. <laughs> there's got to be one. I didn't do it. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry, Rob. Brother Rob, I'm going to leave those for you. Because I just saw, well, maybe I just saw these like wussy commanders. Like you would never see a Navy SEAL commander go like, do 10 push-ups if you feel like it. 
No. No, just if you feel like... No, that, no, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about a father. We're talking about Psalm 133. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in... It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there, the Lord, say it together, has life forevermore. Church, this isn't a father who has gone up. Oh, there's a little blessing for you, oh, just in case. Oh, it just fell out. Oh, I think I will give you my blessing. Ah, oh, I feel good today. Here's a blessing. No, he commands the blessing. He commands it, church. He commands it, church. He commands it, church. It isn't haphazard. It isn't not thought through. It is glorious and joyful and divine and powerful. He commands his blessing over us. When brothers dwell in unity, this is a picture of consecration and holiness and us coming into our fulfillment, our calling as brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of God. That's the picture of the oil running down the priest's beard. That that was them being consecrated and made holy for service to the king. This is a picture of us coming into unity as believers, being made holy and consecrated for his will and his purposes. And in that place, there is a commanded blessing. A commanded blessing, church. I'll say it one more time. A commanded blessing. I don't know about you. But man, I want to be in a place where there's commanded blessing. I want to set myself up for a commanded blessing. And all through these points as I was preparing, I just kept, I just kept looking back to how I treat the bride of Christ. Ah, oh, Jesus, would you help me? Would you help me to love unconditionally? Oh, church, we need the Holy Spirit to come. Oh, Holy Spirit, how we need your fire again. Oh, Holy Spirit, how we need your fire again. So let there be wonder. Let there be wonder. Let there be wonder. Church, aren't you hungry for wonder? My fourth and final point. Oneness points people to Jesus. Our oneness points people to Jesus. I highlighted in yellow so we would get this. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. So that... I got I got to give you props, Pastor Dave. 
And you, you, this is where I learned how to underline and, and like make things big in scripture and, and pay attention. You, you were very helpful for me in pointing that out. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. Verse 23, I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one. Why? So that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Church, people get saved in oneness. People know the Father in oneness. People start to understand the love of the Father in oneness and unity. Don't we need people to believe? We want people to know the love of God. I mean, this last line that even as you have loved me, I sat there, Michelle and I talked about that and just sat under that, what that actually meant. Well, I've been discipled by Rob. That's one of the most common things he said to me. Man, just know the love of the Father. Know the love of the Father. Church, man, I, I am a growing burden for people to know the love of the Father. Not just the unsaved, but us sitting here today to know a love like Jesus was loved by his Father. Can you imagine to know that love? Can you imagine to know that love? And Jesus is saying, I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. This is what happens when we testify about the Father when we do it in oneness. I mean, I just think about the second greatest commandment. There is no greater thing that you can do on this planet than to love your neighbor as yourself. Sorry, there's only one other thing before that that you can do, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second commandment is much like it. Love your, love your neighbor as you love yourself. That means that if I know the love of the Father... Okay, if I know how he loves me, I know how he died. He sent his son to die for me. Right? That he would save me. That he would love me that way. Even today, in all my mistakes, he loves me the exact same way. And I grasp that love. That he still loves me the same way that he went to the cross. With a life, with a love that would lay down its life for me. If I understand that, I'm called to love people that way as well. Can you imagine what would happen to the people around you? Can you imagine? And when you think about this thing, when you think about this is how we were created, this is what the Trinity is about. There is power in unity. There is commanded blessing in unity. People are getting saved. We'll get saved. We'll know and believe in in the Father and they will know the love of God when you understand what this is what unity is about. It isn't a great big leap. It doesn't take a big leap to understand that the enemy would absolutely hate this. True? True story? Man, he hates it. Like flat out. 
flat out hates it. He doesn't want to walk, want you walking like you were created. He doesn't want you walking in the power of God. He doesn't want you walking in the blessings of God. He doesn't want you having being a part of God's master plan to make disciples and go throughout the earth. He doesn't want that. He'll make he'll take anything he can to divide and conquer, divide and conquer. I just kept seeing that cartoon. He's trying to divide you. Stay unified. (sighs) Church, Lord, would you help us? Would you help us? Would you help us? Would you help us? I'm sorry this isn't a practical message. This is about as far as I got in my preparations about how do we walk out? How do we strive for unity? Maybe that's August's message is how to practically do this. But I just felt to encourage you this morning to be a people committed to Christ. Because a people committed and unified in Christ trumps all divisions, trumps all schemes of the devil. Michelle and I had to fight for unity this week. I mean, that just seems what happens. You know, you you pick a topic, and that's what you're going to have to grow in, right? So maybe just three encouragements real quick. Places to seek the Lord for unity. Just places to pray for unity about. Number one, in your marriage and your family. Can I encourage you to be on mission together? Ask yourself this question. What are we on mission for? With your spouse. What are you on mission for? So Michelle and I sat down. And we're like, what are we on mission for? Well, we got Taylor, Aaron, and Owen. We've been on mission for them since they were born. We'll be together in our kids. And we enjoyed that so much, we thought we'd do it again. And we got two more beautiful daughters and another beautiful son. We are on mission. We are on mission with these six kids. Do you guys want to know how badly I've been struggling lately? It's a tough call. It's a, it is tough. Michelle and I have had to cling to one another, staying on mission. Staying on mission. Children, fostering. What about your giftings and callings? What about your church fellowship and friends? Unity flows out. In your marriage, unity will flow out of being on mission together. Find out what you're on mission for. Unity will flow out of that. What about in the church? What's your church's mission statement? How do I get in unity with my church? Well, what's your mission statement? Find out what your church's mission. What's their vision? Ours is to live and to love the Lord our God with all our hearts. To multiply passionate and obedient disciples of Jesus Christ. To proclaim the kingdom by his word and the Holy Spirit. That's it. Live and love and worship God. Make passionate and obedient disciples of Jesus Christ and to proclaim the kingdom by the word and through the Holy Spirit. Can you do that at Calvary? Did you know that you don't have to believe everything that we believe at Calvary to be on mission with Calvary? Right? Like, you don't have to believe everything. There should be some definite core beliefs. 
right? The bigger issue is can you submit to the Lord and maybe the, and the leadership with a joyful heart? That's how I look at it. When I'm thinking about someone who I want to worship aside, maybe they believe different. That doesn't have to divide me. Church, that doesn't have to divide us. It doesn't, can I say it again? It doesn't have to divide us. Can we joyfully submit to the Lord and the leadership of where God's planted us and live and love and worship God, make passionate disciples, obedient disciples of Jesus Christ and proclaim his kingdom through the word and the Holy Spirit? Can you do that? Amen? Amen. We can be unity together. And your job, what's your job description? Who's the Lord connected you with? Your employers, your employees around you. The opportunity for unity and walking and fellowship with one another, being one, isn't just in your home. It's not just with the Lord. I mean, it, it extends. It extends. It extends. But church, it's what we are called to, how we are called to walk. There's power in it. There's commanded blessing in it. And people see Jesus. Maybe, do people see Jesus in you? <laughs> I'm sure they do. That's it. I'm going to pray. I'm going to invite the team up. I'm going to pray. We're going to worship. And uh, Father, I thank you for this morning. God, I thank you that you love us. I thank you for the call that you have on our lives. And you are more than ready, willing, and able to come and help us to love, to empower our worship, to empower our lives, to empower our praise, to empower our words. God, would you fill us afresh? each and every day. God, would you fill us afresh each and every moment? God, I pray that you would break down walls. God, I pray that you would unite us as a people for your purposes, your plans. God, would you, would you go, would you follow us? Would you go before us in some of the things, some of the issues today that surround us? God, I pray that you would just destroy the work of the enemy, the strategies of the enemy for your glory and your honor. Amen.